is Mother's Day, and we are about to witness the big Mother's Day moment. We absolutely are, and I, for one, am both nervous and excited. Here we go. It's a beautiful royal blue designer bag that she got at Marshall's for an incredible price. Oh, Priya's done very well. I mean, look at that woven detailing and the Italian leather. Forget about that. Look at Mom's face. We have tears, ladies and gentlemen. Is that good? Oh, that's good. Mom loves it. And I love that Italian leather. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices. Every Every day day at at Marshall's. Marshall's. This is The Motivation. That's right. What's important on and off the mats? I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Alfonso. What up, Playboy? What up, man? I'm just chilling today, man. Can't wait to get into this topic. Um, you know what? The last time we did it, uh, I had a lot of fun talking about this uh, this topic. And like you said a little bit ago, it was um, it's, it's therapeutic to talk about it. So super excited uh, to be here again today with you, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Another Sunday fun day. A uh, couple fights on last night. He got mm-hmm. more fights coming up this week. And then I just finished reading this book here called Breathe, A Life in Flow by Hicks and Gracie with Peter McGuire, a forward by Jocko Willink to start the game, to start the book off. Sorry, my dog just came in, but hopefully he don't lay no pedals underneath there. All right. But yeah, so... I started reading this book and OMG, dude, I was hooked, man. I, I started the book on Monday and I was done by Thursday. Damn. All right. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. It's not that long of a read. Um, so it's basically, it's like Gracie Jiu Jitsu History 101. Almost practically anything you wanted to know about where Jiu Jitsu started, who started it, how did it come about, how did it evolve. Who were the original family members? And then how did it get to the point that it is pretty much today? So, again, it's basically just Hicks and Gracie talking about his family history. Talks about who who the original Gracie members were as far as he goes back and starts talking about how his his family is like from, I I think he said Ireland. That the Gracies originated from Ireland. Some of them came to the United States. Some of them came to Brazil. Fast forward to the early 1900s. And that's when Helio and Carlos started learning uh, what we now know as Gracie Ju- or as regular Japanese jiu-jitsu. And then Helio started to transform it little by little into what we know today. Hickson also talks about, you know, just the history of jiu-jitsu in itself. You know, just like going back to like the crazy beach fights, the BJJ versus Valetudo fights, the pro wrestlers in Japan versus the Valetudo fighters or the brand new up and coming MMA guys. I mean, it's just every chapter is just a crazy, crazy uh, history, a sneak peek into what what happened back then. And it's it's just crazy times, man. Crazy, crazy times. If you're not familiar with the history of jujitsu, maybe you didn't read that Gracie 101 uh, forum that they used to have back in the day on the Sure Dog forums back in the day. You ever check that one out, Fonzo? No, I don't think I ever did, man. Um, so this is kind of cool. The fact that I can just like pick something like this up and then just kind of read about it. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to check oh, that man, out. Oh, man, there was a really cool forum that was around for a – yeah, check it out. I'm not sure if it's still around, but I remember they used to have a thread in the jujitsu forums. 
And it was like one of the most top, it was a pin topic. So it was always there at the top and it just had page after page after page of like, it was almost like a Wikipedia for Gracie Jiu Jitsu from beginning to end. Uh, so that was super cool. Uh, but this is the same thing, man. This is just Hicks and Gracie's point of view of different, different instances that happened in their family and specific, maybe most of them happened to him, but some of them, he also, he talks about things that happened to some of his uncles, some of his brothers, you know, unfortunately his son as well. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but I do want to talk a little bit about it. So I'm going to start by talking about one of the most epic, epic, epic jujitsu, close the door, my art versus your art. Let's see what happens stories. So I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with um, back in the day in the in the maybe early 90s to late 90s. There was a lot of things. There was these tapes that were circling called Gracie Challenges. You ever heard of them, Fonzo? No. no what, yeah. What are those about? Oh, man. They, they were epic. So basically, so the Gracie Challenge matches were basically somebody would show up at the Torrance Academy and be like, I want to fight. I challenge your best fighter. I think I can whoop your ass. I'm a Kung Shotokan seventh degree black belt. I was a college wrestler. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm a boxer. I'm a, I mean, you name it. Whoever it was, someone would call the academy or just show up. And then if there wasn't somebody that they thought could represent the family name well, they would just call Hickson if he wasn't there. And Hickson would drive down. And they would close the doors, black out the windows, turn on the camcorder, and fucking go to town. Damn. So they're pretty much like the, the original UFC matches with no rules, no rules, no weight class, no time limit. And that seemed to be a recurring theme in these Gracie matches. There's just They're all about displaying their art. They're all about there's no time limit. There's just whenever the time is right for them to end the match, that's when they're going to end it. That could be... Five minutes, that can be 30 seconds, that can be two hours. These guys are willing to fight to the death. That's just how they think. So uh, it just so happened that this hap- this event that I'm going to speak on right now, which if you're not familiar with, is just an awesome, awesome story. So grab your popcorn, sit down. We're talking Hickson Gracie history right here. This is history. Towards the end of Hickson's career, he started uh, – some MMA matches. He started his MMA career in Japan and he won two consecutive tournaments in a row. And after that, and he won them like super easily, Fonzo. He won them like he just creamed everybody. All right. All right. And so after that, it almost seemed like the Japanese audience and the Japanese matchmakers were just intent on finding a fighter to beat Hickson. And they didn't really have anybody that they could match up with him. So what they would do, and I don't, and they still seem to do this a lot over there, is they found their best professional wrestler. And in those days, and even these days, these today in days now, like right current days, some of these guys dabble in shoot fighting. They do a little jujitsu. They do some judo. Uh, but they in Japan, they consider them fighters, even though they do fixed fights. You know what I mean? That's what pro wrestling is. They, it's already agreed right. upon. They already know right. who's going to win the match. They just make up what happens as they go along, right? Right. So whoever well, – I can't remember the name of, of Japan's number one pro wrestler at the time, but he called out Hickson on TV. 
And Hickson responded with the message, and he just basically said, you know what? I don't participate in fixed fights. I only do real fights. So, Damn. And, I, and it just so happened that that message was put out when Hickson was in Japan. Hickson was visiting Japan. This poor wrestler tried to capitalize on that, called out Hickson. Hickson was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm out of here. I'm going back to the United States. So at that time, Hickson already had his academy in L.A., um, and he was very successful at it. Uh, he had already won two mixed martial arts tournaments in Japan. And back in those days, it was like, you got to win three fights in one night. Right. So fast forward, Hickson comes to Japan or is back from Japan when you can call him the disciple of the professional wrestler that originally called out uh, Hickson. And this guy's name was Yoji Anjo. Yoji Anjo was another pro wrestler who was highly regarded. He was a lot younger than the previous wrestler that called out Hickson. But on Japanese media, he called out Hickson and he said, I'm going to the United States and I'm going to go whoop Hickson's ass in so many words. So a camera crew, crew flew with Yoji to the United States. They go to LA. They freaking uh, bum rush Hickson's Academy and Hickson students are in there and they're panicking because they're all just trying to bum rush the Academy, bum rush the doors and one of them in particular is looking for a fight. So somebody at the academy calls Hickson and says, Hickson, a bunch of Japanese rest pro wrestlers just showed up. There's a there's a bunch of camera crews out here. What do you want us to do? Hickson says, try to keep them outside. I'll be pro wrestlers to come in, but keeps the media out. All right. So now they're in the do they're in the academy. Hickson has the do the windows blacked out. And again, there's no media in there, but they do have a camera. So Hickson has, I, I want to say it was Hoyler filming this event. So it's Hickson and Yoji Anjo about to go at it. And this is not for money. This is not for the media. This is just, you know what? You've been talking about me and now here you are and we're going to settle this. And Hickson goes on to beat the living crap out of this dude. He says he just keeps punching him and punching him and punching him. So during this fight, Hickson uses says this quote. Check this out. This is some cold-blooded shit right here. It says, if I'm fighting you for money, I'll stop hitting you when you or the referee ask me to. If we're fighting for honor, I'll stop hitting you when I feel like it. Uh. So fast forward, they're fighting. He just keeps punching him and punching him. He says at one point, Yoji is like fish hooking him. And he says he feels like his finger is about to rip through his cheek. And he says, I'm okay with it. That's not even going to stop me. I'm, I'm good with that. He said he just kept punching him and punching him. He said he broke his nose, closed up both of his eyes. He didn't give up. So at that point, he just choked him unconscious and left him in a bloody, there's just like a pool of blood and just let him go. And he lands face down. Hickson stands up. At that point, somebody opens the doors. All the Japanese reporters rush in. And they just start taking pictures. They don't know what happened. They just see Yoji on the floor all fucked up in his own blood. And I believe it was his manager who was there with him. Tries to run in and cover and block the view from the reporter. So that they don't see what's going on. But they already saw. It was too late by then. And, uh. and that was it. So Yoji goes back to Japan. Hickson's like 
doesn't say shit about it. Doesn't, I mean, this is in the 90s. You know what I mean? Actually, I can give you the exact date. This actually happened on my birthday, dude. December no. 7th, 1994. God damn. Fuck. Damn. That's some badass shit. That's some badass That's shit. That's cold-blooded. Right? So hey, beats hey, the but- living crap out of them. Yeah, cold-blooded. So- I mean, Dude, so I, I this whole time we're talking about like, okay, these fights are going on. For some reason, I was picturing jujitsu matches, but these were just like brawls, just like you know, no, like no rules, like I'm gonna fuck you up type of shit. Oh yeah, no, there are no, there are no rules. The only rules were, uh, actually, I don't even think they had any rules. You you could hit in the balls if you wanted to, I guess. But yeah, that's how it went down. So Yoji, go check this shit out. That's not the end of the story. Yoji goes back to Japan and. Make and has a press conference and makes a statement and says that when he got to the United States, he went to Hickson's Academy and Hickson's students held him down and ju- and beat him up. And Hickson was the, in in on it as well. And that's why he got beat up. Oh, bitch made. Damn. Total bitch made, right? Total Damn. bitch made. So Hickson flies to Japan. With the tape, plays the ta- <laughs> calls his own press conference, plays the tape for all the Japanese media to see. Sees that he was, you know what I mean. It was a one-on-one match. They announced why they were fighting. They're fighting for honor. They're not fighting for money. There's only one camera. This tape's not going anywhere. Boom, there it is. And so that was it. Damn. Yeah, dude, that's crazy, man. That's wonder what that dude's doing right now. Probably whacking it, watching some Pornhub. <laughs> Fat bitches fighting over food. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Who taste knows, at man? least. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. So I don't want to give too many. I don't want to give too many things away. But there are some quotes that I that I want to share here. So I have something about fear that I highlighted. So um, he says, if you fear something that has not even happened, then quitting becomes a form of self-protection. Fear is not the enemy. It's simply a self-protection mechanism that must be managed. So when you read this book, you're not just going to learn history about jujitsu. You're going to learn about mental health, about mind games, about breathing, about how to Get yourself out of stressful situations. I mean, I cannot tell you how many things I highlighted in this book, how many tabs I have, how many things I've already started thinking about myself. And dude, they've been making like, I don't know if it's the book. I don't know if it's in my head. Top, It could be total placebo effect. I swear that things that I've been doing in, from learning in this book have already started making, making, how should I say this? Like they've already been impacting my life. From jujitsu to just normal shit, it's already fucking helping out. It's just such an amazing book. If you can get your hands on it, get it. I'm gonna take this to the gym, and I'm gonna let the guys go through it and read it. I'm gonna. We had a little library where people donate books. This is a must read if you're out there. If you if you're sitting on the fence about jujitsu, or you got a friend that doesn't know, but they do like to read and they're into history. And they're into the old samurai code and honor and good heart and good things happen to good people. Hey, this is fucking it, dude. And and then you know what? There's things that I do. 
And I just do these all on my own because I think that this is what I should be doing. For example, I live in the foothills and there's hawks flying around. And every once in a great while, I'll find an awesome ass hawk tail, hawk feather. And I'll collect it and I'll put it somewhere where every day when I come home, I'm going to see it. Like I'll put it on the windowsill outside. I'll put it on the door knocker right outside the door. If there's a reef hanging outside the door, my wife, because my wife loves hanging holiday wreaths 365 days, 24 <laughs> 7. So sometimes I'll put a little hawk feather in there. And, you know, and it's just like, dang, like I'm just honored that they're in this area. And any little thing, any little piece of evidence that I can have that just wrote, can remind me of them, I think is awesome. And in the book, guess what? Hickson does the same shit. He says that in at one of his houses, he would find he found a hawk feather and he like put it on his door or I don't know. He did something with it. But uh, like I said, it's you're not just gonna learn jujitsu. You're gonna learn a, a lot of other stuff. Um, if you got. If you don't mind, Fonzo, I, I want to share one more story that's fucking super cool. And the whole reason we're having this episode is because we're going to be talking about bullies. You know what I mean? Uh, unfortunately, they're out there. And I can only speak for myself. I've had to deal with them. And they don't make life easy, man. They fuck shit up. There's things that happened early on that, that still piss me off and still get me mm-hmm. going. And there's... You know, sometimes I pull back to those old memories and they make me mad. And that's what I, they have, those things still drive me to this day. You know what I mean? Uh, I probably should let that shit go. But, hey, that's what keeps you going, man. So what I'm going to share right now is a gym bully story. So uh, Hickson in the book goes on to t- say a story that uh, he was not – he there wasn't any way for him to be at his academy Every day that it was open because he was still doing mixed martial arts, competing, uh, training, traveling all over the world. So he says that um, he had like students. So let me read this little page here. It says the Pico Academy wasn't all fun and games. However, every school needs a clear leader who is the student's point of reference because a jujitsu academy is like a circus and it takes on the personality of its ringmaster. In every school, there are tigers, lions, bears, snakes, dogs cats even lizards after the ringmaster tames the lions he must keep them from eating the dogs and then he must keep the dogs from eating the cats and the cats from eating the lizards and so on because i led by example i had to crack the hard nuts the minute they walked through the door if i didn't tame the monsters on day one they would return to my school to feast on white belts like raw meat i don't want to get into what's going on in the jiu-jitsu community right now but there's been some demons Uh, Some skeletons in the closet that have been some stories, actually not stories, but things that have been happening that should not be happening, you know, Um, Mm. and this is this is a little part of it. You know what I mean? What I'm what I'm referring to is extreme. And we'll talk about that on another episode. And I think we should address that. I think that we have a uh, how should I say this a responsibility we have a responsibility to talk about what's happening in our community right now and voice our opinion and come up with a plan to prevent from things like that that are happening right now from reoccurring in the future. And we'll talk about that at, at that given time when we cross that bridge. So getting back to this story. So check this shit out, Fonz. 
So there was a time where Hickson wasn't able to be at the academy, and Hickson's academy was very well known. So there was always boxers, MMA guys, Valetudo guys, jiu-jitsu guys coming in to test the waters, to make a name for themselves. They're like, hey, you know what? If I can come in and fuck up Hickson and fuck up his, his guys, that's just going to make me look good. That's going to help build my legend, right? So right. this would happen all the time. So on this one occasion, supposedly, this badass kickboxer walks in, and they don't say who he is. They just say he's a kickboxer, and he comes in, and they say that they're drilling takedowns. And they say that he fucking smashes some white belt's nose with a knee. I don't know where. Totally uncalled for. They said you could tell it was totally on purpose. So when it happens, class immediately comes to a halt. They clean up the mess. They send the white belt to the restroom to go clean up. And in the ruckus, as the white belt is leaving the mats, the instructor in charge, who's a Brazilian, says in Portuguese, we don't want this asshole here. He crossed the line by beating up on a white belt. And now he must pay. For the next 40 minutes, the kickboxer was thrown, submitted, and stretched over and over. He never again returned to Pico Academy. Boom! That's how Fuck. you handle a, a Matt Bully, dude. That's what you do. So they just fuck him up for like, what was it, like an hour Ain't straight? some shit? Yeah. That's Pretty crazy. much, man. 40 minutes of hell that he brought upon himself. Yeah. Well, man, that fucking right. sucks, man. So now but, I'm going to share... Uh, I was just going to say that, um, that I, you know, luckily I haven't seen stuff like that happen too much. Like where I've trained before, you know, some light stuff, like just somebody being a little too rough. Um, but he was, it wasn't really like it was only going after white belts, kind of just his attitude. He's just like, kind of like more of a jerk than a bully. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily that dude hardly ever showed up, but anyways, whatever. It is what it is. So, anyways, you were, you had another story? Yeah, hell yeah, man. I got a story that goes perfect with what we just shared right now, actually. So, um, back in the day, uh, this was this happened when I was a blue belt. Let me take a little sip of this little uh, IPA mine haze here. Get me going. God damn! Do it. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to share. Sit around. Everybody get around the campfire right now. Let me adjust my mic. How do I sound? Me, me, me. Good. Story time. Gather around. Love telling stories. So this is another true Jujitero's Coast to Coast story. You will hear this nowhere else because this happened to nobody except for me. All right. So um, back in the day, we had uh, a coach who's no longer with us here. All right. So back in my blue belt days one time, uh, I show up to class and my coach approaches me in private and he's like, Frank, I got a problem. I got to tell you something. Um, there's a guy that's going to be coming in today, and he showed up to my wife's work. He said that he was a fighter, and she told him that I was a fighter too, and he, she mentioned the gym, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've been to that gym. I beat everybody up. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> 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 yeah yeah so he's trying to pick up on her he's telling her oh i've been to that gym yeah oh, i know those guys yeah oh i rolled them all up they're sorry yeah no all of them and she's like really well you know what my husband's just got there 
not too long ago. So maybe you should give him another, another try. He's like, oh no, I wasn't. It was it wasn't even that long ago. It was probably him. I rolled him up. So, (laughs) mind you, my coach is, I don't want to look it up because then that might give away who he is, but he's a pretty big guy. He's a pretty tall guy compared to me. Everyone's tall compared to me. So, this guy was my size. Let's just put it that way. This is a small guy, probably 140, 145, maybe 145 pounds, 150, Okay. okay, maybe 150, 150 max. All right. So, she convinces him. To go to the gym and oh, and uh, do a trial class to try it to try it out again. So he's like, oh, I'll think about it. You know, we'll see what's going on. Well, guess what? He fucking shows up. He shows up. So before he shows up, my coach is telling me this whole story, and he's like, I'm gonna put him with you, and I need you to t- teach him a lesson. Because if I do it, I'm going to look like an asshole and I'm going to look like a bully. So I don't want to do that. And our coach is the nicest, the nicest dude you could ever meet, man. He will literally give you the shirt off his back. He will help you out any way that he possibly could. Just, I mean, he's the the kid next door. You know what I mean? Like you could put him in any sitcom you've ever watched and he's the kid next door. He's just super nice. Super humble, super nice, and he did not want to beat this guy's ass. <laughs> so he asked me to do it. So I'm like, all right. So he pairs me up with him, and the dude sure shit shows up wearing a tap out, wearing tap out shorts, um, a Grappler's Quest T-shirt. I don't remember the year. I don't even remember if it was like <laughs> close to the time, but he was wearing it. So I was like, oh, oh, oh man, this guy, this guy's trained or he's competed or somebody gave him a shirt. Yeah. So you guys know how class goes. You guys pair up and you go over technique. And as we're going over technique, I'm just asking him questions about his training, where he's been at. And he's just, you know how it goes, man, when someone's just super vague, but they want to act like they've trained all over and they know everything and they will. Yeah. So he's he's being like that. He's being very condescending. He's very he's being very uh, egotistical. You know, he's not a very good training partner. He's muscling everything. Right, right. God damn. So we start rolling, and he tried to do like so. We start, and you know, we start on knees. So we start on the knees, and I just. I'm sitting on my butt, like butterfly guard, more or less. And he pops up. He's standing and he wants to try to pass. And he does like a fucking one hand cartwheel, kind of like. Okay. And and he tries to like flip over me. Right. And as he does it, like he does it super slow. I fucking grab that arm and I roll with him (laughs) and I triangle him from the top. And I uh-huh. land in full mount with him on top. And I just fucking crank his neck, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he shit. tapped right away. So I got him right there again. Then we start again. I pull, you know, we, we shake hands. I'm in butterfly again. Fucking, we start, we're just, he's sitting down this time. And then I reach for a quick arm drag and I take his back and I fucking strangle the shit out of him. 
put my back into it, you know. So he felt it right away. He taps again. We start again. And I don't remember what I got him with, but I remember I got him like three quick subs like in a minute. So then after that, Man. I'm like, I'm I don't like to do this to people. I don't like to do this to people, but I'm like, I subbed you three times in three in a minute. That's gotta be enough to be like, oh, okay, they're not the same guys anymore. If <laughs> if he ever did show up and beat everybody, which I know he didn't because I was at that gym since it had started. So right. fast forward a minute, minute and a half later, I subbed him a bunch of times already. Now he tries to – I don't want to sub him anymore. I just want the round to be over. I want him to know his place, and I think that I showed him, and I think we're done. So he tries that fucking stupid-ass cartwheel guard pass again. And when he plants that hand, I just fucking kick it out with my leg. <laughs> and he falls on his head. And oh, he falls shit. on his head. And then I just take side I just take side control. I take side control and I'm holding like a weak arm triangle from side control with the neon belly. Uh-huh. And I'm not really putting any pressure, you know? And 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 he like shrimps out and I let go. And we're we start over and Guess what he does? Guess what he fucking does? Cartwheel. He tries his fucking one-handed cartwheel guard pass again. So what do I do? I fucking <laughs> kick it out again. He lands inside. I land inside control again. And this time I put knee on belly like, like I'm about to squeeze a fucking bevel out of this fool. <laughs> I grab that arm triangle and I just, I'm ready to pop his head off. And then, of course, he taps. And then... By then, you know what I mean? The match, the round's almost over. And then at that point, I'm just sweeping him. I'm just, I'm having my way with him. There's nothing he can do. And I let him go. You know, I subbed him like, I don't know, three or four times in the round. And then he gets paired up with um, my boy Abel. And Abel, dude, does not hold back. Every time I looked over, that fool was tapping. I tapped that guy, like I said, three or four times. Abel tapped him double, at least double. I saw him tap at least six or seven times. Damn. After that, we used to have this training partner named Chris Baker. Dude, imagine like a five foot four, 150 pound, 4%, 3% body fat, 22, 23 year old dude, high school wrestler, uh, junior college wrestler. Just the sickest top game. The sickest. He was so good. He was so good. He's another blue belt. I miss that guy, man. Chris Baker, don't know if you're out there listening, bro. Hope you're still training. Hope to see you on the mats again soon, eventually. Um, but Chris wrecked this dude's life. I tapped him three, four times. Abel tapped him six or seven times. Fucking Chris had him tapping like he was tap dancing, dude. It was in the <laughs> double digits easy. He did not really, he did not slow down. He did not feel bad. He was just go, 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 go. Cause that's how he is, man. That's his pace. So if you can hang with Chris, you're fucking good. Oh, damn. But damn, dude, he ruined that dude's life. So after that role, that guy asked our coach um if he could like not roll no more because he was just Dude, I imagine it was too much. Ooh, so at I, that well, point, I mean, dude, our coach I, that put just, him. Yeah, oh, dude, just, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way. There's no way you can get tapped that many times and still want to continue rolling. 
Oh, we You're ruined done. that dude's life. We ruined his day for sure. Um, he got paired up with kids. He's next thing you know, he's just sitting over there on the mats with kids, and he's coaching the kids. Oh no, this is what you do if someone, blah blah blah. And when I heard him do say that, I walked over and I asked him if he wanted to roll again, and he said no nah, because he had like a pool, something. Ah, uh, my disc is flaring up. Uh, my C four. <laughs> My vagina lips are loose. I don't know what he said. I forget. Yeah. <laughs> but Dude, that you was guys fucked him up sure so bad. Wonder. He he's just like he's like he's traumatized. Every time he sees a fucking uh, a tap out t shirt, he just gets PTSD and he just starts fucking like twitching and shit. That's how bad he can't wear those motherfuckers. <laughs> good thing we don't see tap out shirts no more. That's good. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> that guy. I'm sure if I dig through my drawer. Somewhere I'll find a tap out shirt somewhere. Shout out tap out gear way back in the day. Remember when we met Diego Sanchez at the tap out booth? At, yeah, uh, that shit was dope, man. I think Tachi I bought my Palace. first. Yeah, I bought badass. my first tap out shirt back then. That was my first and only tap out shirt. Yeah, I, I think me too. I don't think I ever bought another one after that because they started getting some weird ass designs after did. that. Yeah, yeah, they got they got weird real fast. But hey, it was good times back then, man. Good memories, yeah. great memories. So, uh, shout out to my coach, who I, again, will not name, but I high praise him, and I thank you for the opportunity to display my skills and ruin someone's life. I felt like that was good karma. Like, he deserved that shit. You start training jujitsu, you you start feeling confident in yourself. You, you no longer see yourself as a victim. You're just like, I mean, I hate to say it. You're just like, I wish somebody would. I mean, I would say... If you're a pretty high, I wouldn't even say high. You're just a, a, a consistent two-stripe blue belt. You could probably handle a low-level college wrestler. No problem. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say I was a high-level blue belt, but we had a lot of wrestlers come into our, our gym because we were an MMA gym. So we we had, or at least my first gym was an MMA gym. And so because it was an MMA gym, uh, I don't know if I've, I've talked about this in the past. It brings in a certain type of person. You know what I mean? It brings in those tap out guys. They're like, hey, bro, I don't know if that jujitsu shit will work on me because when I start fighting, these hands go and I'm just, I'm a natural born fighter, bro. You know what I'm saying? That jujitsu shit won't work on me. We had a lot of guys like that come in. You know what I mean? And that was one of yeah. the things I loved about that gym. And I would beg my coaches to pair me up with people like that because you just get to have your weight with people like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but now I'm I'm at a different gym and and you don't see people like that. So um, it it's part of the culture and it just depends on your gym. Hopefully your gym's not like that out there. Um, and if it is, hopefully you got some good jujitsu and you can just use it. I mean, there's been I can't tell you how many times I saw a guy. A person whipping up on kids or on white belts, and then they come crying, not really crying to you, but like, hey, is it okay if somebody does this? And it's like, no, dude, that's not okay. Let me go roll with that guy. And then you got to teach that person a lesson. That's happened a handful of times. And I'm not even a big guy. I'm not even a big guy, but there's shit that I can do that will make you very uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? And I will gladly teach people how to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, dude. I totally get it, dude. I like I said, I haven't really seen my share of bullies out there in the in in my gyms. Um, 
you know, so I've kind of been lucky in, in that sense. But yeah, I mean, most of the thing, I think what I would, what I've seen the most is like kind of like know-it-alls. Uh, so people come in, they just think they know more than they do. Um, you know, one particular kid, uh, well, he wasn't a kid actually, he was, he was actually older than me. Some guy came in to where uh, the last place I was training him, but it was, uh, we we're training kickboxing. Um, so he came in and he just like, you know, like he wasn't really paying attention to the lesson, just kind of wanted to do his own thing. You know, we're doing practicing or drilling different techniques, not really listening to the uh, to the instructor. And he just, you know, I remember my my what instructor came up to me. Yeah, my uh, my instructor came up to me. He goes, "Hey, when you, when we spar today, he goes, show him what we what we're working on." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." Sure enough, man. like, and here's I'm the thing. About. When we were sparring, we would spar like, you know, we would do like 30% power, just like, you know, we wouldn't like, we would, there was like really no power behind the punches. It was just kind of like, like taps, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you would go full speed, but not full, full power. Yeah. So, yeah, man, like, so this, the whole, you know, we do like three minute rounds. Pulling your punches. Yeah, just pulling your punches. Um, and kicks too, you know what I mean? Um, well, kicks, if, if they're leg kicks, we can go harder because we are wearing, um, like shin pads. Uh, so we do like maybe 50% power on, on our kicks to, um, not to the body, but to the legs. We can do 50% power to, uh, to leg kicks. So dude, the whole round, um, you know, we're working this particular combo or that's what we're supposed to be drilling, um, in class. Dude, I landed that combo like six times on this dude. Um, it was, um, it was, it was a simple kick. It was a simple combo. It was just like, it was just straight, straight punches. So it's just a jab, jab, right. And then like low kick to the, to the cap. Uh, I must've landed that like fucking like seven times. Um, and then at the, on his calf, that ended up hurting. Cause I'm going 50% power. So even with, with, um, shin pads, that shit is like, <laughs> You know what I mean? That shit still hurts because it's your calf. Your calf is a small ass muscle compared to you know some other yeah, muscles in your body. Like a baseball bat coming at your leg. Yeah. So after a while, he just ended up like limping, and you know, like, and the thing is, we were learning how to defend those two, and those are super easy to defend. Like, you just got to turn your your <laughs> um, you got to turn your shin over, right? So that way, I, I hit I hit your shin, or you just or you just lift your leg a little right. bit. And then that's it. That's all you got to do. But so we were learning how to how to throw that combo and defend against it too. Um, but somehow, like like I said, he wasn't paying attention. Wanted to do his own thing. And I guess the coach got upset. He goes, "Man, like if you're gonna be here, you gotta you gotta pay attention. You gotta you know you gotta do what we're doing." Um, so landed that shit, and then that's it. He that's the only round he sparred that 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 night. Like he just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, he still came by like after that. <laughs> for, a few more, for a few more times but he never wanted to spar with me ever again like he never wanted to be partnered with me ever again and it wasn't even like i was like i was being an ass but i'm just like, Dude, uh... like you gotta just defend yourself like we learned this shit you know what i mean just so yeah my coach was upset because he's just like yeah he's not yeah. paying attention yeah so that was kind of cool that was That's one of the- funny good fuck that shit man yeah God, that's badass, man. I remember back in the day, and I told a story about, remember when I told you guys the flying squirrel story? All right. So at those apartments, oh, dude, I had the worst bully ever. This guy's name was Joey. I don't remember his last name. I've been trying to think of his name all week, 
and I cannot, I cannot remember his name, but he was a fucking piece of shit, man. So this guy was like two or three years older than me. And this fool started bullying me when I was like in first grade. So when I was in first grade, he was like in third or fourth grade. And uh, he lived in my apartments and he would just ruin my life, man. If I had a toy, he would want it. If I didn't give it to him, he'll beat my ass and break it. If Fuck. we're playing a game, like a game with a ball, he'll fucking take the ball and throw it on the roof. My mom would um, ask me to go to the store, the liquor store that was like across the street for like milk or for like soda or whatever or bread. Dude, yeah. if it was a loaf of bread and he saw me, he will grab it and fucking smash it. No. If it was a soda, he would take it and shake the shit out of it. He's an asshole. He's a fucking asshole, dude. Damn. Fucking asshole. I wish that I could see this dude to this right now and and we could handle it on the mats, but we're never I'm never going to be able to, but whatever. But one day, dude, I mean, and this happened for years, dude. Like I'm telling you, it started when I was in first grade. I want to say when I was like in third or fourth grade, dude, he did something to me on my bike. I can't remember what it was, but I remember I was riding my bike and he hit me or he did some shit. And I was like, fuck this. It's fucking today is the last day, motherfucker. Fuck this. Let I rode my bike as fast as I could. He hit me when I was on my bike and I just took off and I went to my house. I went home. And I grabbed a fucking baseball bat. And I just remember I fucking threw my bike down at the front door, walked inside. My mom goes, what happened? I said, nothing. Went to my room, grabbed my bat, walked out. And I didn't even pick my bike up, dude. I went back out to where that motherfucker was. I just started walking towards where he was at. And he was like down the street and he saw me come out. And he's like talking shit in the street from hella far away. And he's like, oh, look who brought a baseball bat. Look who thinks they're a badass. What, you think you're going to hit? And, dude, the whole time he's talking shit and he's walking to me. So he's walking towards me and he's fucking monologuing. Damn. He keeps talking and talking and talking and I'm just holding the bat there. And I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I'm just like, I'm done. I have it in my right hand. He's walking, walking, walking. He's like. What do you think you're going to do? You ain't going to do shit, you little bitch. And when he said that, dude, I fucking took a step back. And I did have it with my in my right hand already. I fucking took a step back and I grabbed it with my left. I, 